You guys, this is such a great day for you to be here because you get to hear our student pastor, Curtis McCullough, speak, and you're going to be really glad you came. So let's listen to the message. Make him feel welcome. Good morning. How's it going? That's good. Glad to hear it. So I wanted to start today by telling you guys a story that you've probably heard before, but you've never heard it from my point of view. All right. I can already see the dread mounting on Scott's face. Uh, so I'm going to tell you about the time that Zach Swellbar knocked my two front teeth out with a golf club. Uh, so I've never, ever, ever played golf. The only thing that I know about golf, if there are any Lord of the Rings fans, is that a hobbit by the last name of Took knocked the Goblin King's head off and it flew 100 yards and landed in a rabbit hole. That's about all I know about golf. Uh, and Zach, likewise, has not played golf. Uh, I am pretty sure he hasn't played golf to this day still. But Zach and I were planning on going and eating. We were going to go to Bob Evans for lunch. And I was going to pick him up and then head over there. So I drove over to the Swell Bar's house, and I pull up, and I see Zach practicing his drive in the front yard, which was a weird sight. I've never seen Zach play golf before then, but he was trying it out, so whatever. Uh, and he was using those little, like, foam plastic, or not plastic, but foam balls that don't break windows or whatever when you hit them, right? Uh, and so he's sitting there practicing his drive. I get out. Uh, and he was like, hey, let me get a couple more swings in before we head out for lunch. And I was like, all right, whatever. Now, again, I don't know anything about golf. So in my brain, this is how you would drive. Now, I'm left-handed, so if it looks weird, get over it. Um, so I would think that you would you'd hold the golf club, you'd go, and then you'd swing, and you'd just like, like this. I don't know why that's the image of golf club swinging that was in my head, but I had no idea that you actually like follow through with the swing, right? Uh, and so I'm, I'm sitting there talking to Zach. He's a righty, so he's doing it the wrong way. And uh, I'm standing just behind him. He's like right there, and I'm standing here talking to him, right? <laughs> and we're just having a normal conversation, and he decides to go and swing, and on the follow-through, his golf club just clocks me in the face. And when this happened, I mean, I don't know if you've ever been hit before, uh, but usually you don't, like, immediately you don't really feel pain. You just kind of feel the shock, right? The vibrations going through your face. Uh, and so I, I bend over, and I definitely knew I got hit, and I'm sitting there kind of like taking stock of everything, and I'm breathing, and I'm like, I can, I can smell blood. Did he, did, he hit my, did he hit my nose? Is my nose broken? And then I started moving my mouth, and I was like, no, wait, I taste blood. And then I started spitting blood out, and as that was happening, as if that weren't bad enough, I felt teeth come out with it. <laughs> and, I, and at that moment, I was like, oh, no, he hit my teeth. And that was such a bummer, too. I mean, in, in any case, it's a bummer, right? But this is junior year of high school, uh, which is like nine or ten years ago now. And uh, this was 
months after I had just gotten my braces taken off. And, my, and so I hadn't gotten to enjoy my teeth, right? You know, I've been sitting there tortured with metal in my mouth for so long. And my orthodontist, and I, this isn't, I swear I'm not making this up, my orthodontist would brag to the other patients about my two front teeth. He'd be like, man, you have the most beautiful two front teeth I've ever seen. He was bragging on them so hard all the time. And uh, sure enough, I lost them that day, which was a huge bummer. But I get, I get hit in the face. I realize that I'm spitting out teeth. And I look up to Zach, and Zach's horrified. I mean, any, anyone would be in that situation, right? And I, I tell him, look for my teeth. <laughs> and so he starts frantically tearing through the grass, trying to find teeth that I was spitting out. Uh, and then I go in to the Swellbar's house because I needed to like see what was up, right? I could feel, but I needed to see it. And I also wanted to like wash it out, get some paper towels, just assess the situation, you know? The Swellbar's had just uh, gotten hardwood flooring on the main floor of their house, so I was really happy I wasn't bleeding on their carpet. But I go to their main bathroom on that level, and I, I one look in the mirror and I see that I had this hole in my lip, uh, which, because the, the club hit me about here and like went up, and it then hit my teeth, and then my teeth ripped a hole in my lip. Uh, and so I saw that, and I saw the teeth, and the teeth weren't like, they didn't get knocked out. They got chipped in like almost half. It was uh, like a half moon shape on my two front teeth. And so I was just missing 90% of my, my two front teeth. And I go to turn on the water to start washing it out. And I realized, I remember, or I had forgotten that the swell bars had turned off the water to that bathroom because they were working on something. So I'm just sitting there bleeding in their sink with no working water. So then I go to their kitchen sink because I didn't want to bleed on their, their carpet upstairs, right? And then I'm sitting there moving a couple dishes out of the way and I turn on the water. I'm washing out my mouth and I can feel the water going out of my bottom lip. <laughs> oh, it makes me squirm thinking about it. And then I get, grab this wad of paper towels, I hold it up against my face, and I'm like, all right, I need to go home, I need to tell my dad and see if he can take me to the hospital, right? I'm going to need stitches, I have a hole in my lip. So I go out into the front yard, and Zach's just sitting there tearing up grass. He's got blood on his hands, on his knees. He's freaking out. And uh, he's like, dude, what do I do with your teeth when I find them? I'm like, put them in milk, I guess. Uh, and so I, I get into my car, and I've got this wad of paper towels against my face. And I drive it stick. And so I'm sitting there one-handed, driving up to my house, trying to be as safe as I can. Luckily, it's only like just up the street, right? And so I, I park, I go into my house, my dad's office is just on the left. I look over and I see him and I'm like, hey, I need to go to the hospital. And he looks over and he's shocked and horrified and stuff. And then we go, we go to the hospital. I ended up getting some stitches in my mouth. Uh, and later that day, I ended up, uh, luckily my dentist was able to meet us at her office after hours so that they could just see what was up. And I had this little cup of, of uh, this mug of teeth and milk that Zach got for me. And so I, I take it to my dentist, and she's like looking at it. She's looking at my mouth, and she's like, yeah, unfortunately, we can't save your teeth. Instead of just clean breaking like I wish they would have, they just shattered. 
So Zach was sitting there picking up shards of tea, putting it into this mug of milk. Uh, and so my dentist was like, yeah, you're going to have to get a root canal, and then we're going to have to put some fake teeth on, right? So these bad boys are fake. And uh, normally, I think I would have just been like, I, that's fine. But this was like the week before prom of my junior year. And so I'm like, man, am I really going to go into prom with no teeth and this nasty looking scar on my face? Uh, and luckily, that week I was able to get in. I got a root canal, got some fake teeth and, and whatnot. Um, and unfortunately, I don't have a picture of the teeth, but we do have a picture of what I looked like. Uh, and so you can see it's on the bottom right because it's flipped because it's a selfie. Uh, but it is on the bottom left of my actual lip. That's where the hole was. Uh, and then if you notice, just below it, you can, you can kind of make out like a, looks like a C, right? We're, we're pretty confident that that is like the C from the Callaway Club that Zach used <laughs> to deck me in the face. Um, but it definitely wasn't, it wasn't super comfortable. And uh, as that week went on and everything, we came to the point where I was going to have to see Zach. For the, for the first time since, since this had happened, right? And uh, this was going to be, we both were on the worship team, and so I was going to show up, and then I would have to play some music with him, right? Uh, and before we get to how that encounter went down, I want to kind of set up the stage for where we're at in Ezekiel and this series, and then it's going to tie nicely together with a bow, I promise. Cool? So uh, I want to give a quick recap on these last few weeks. We are now in the fourth week of this Ezekiel series. Joel kicked it off uh, by talking about how Ezekiel was a man ruined by God, how Ezekiel was given this awful message to tell his friends, his family, his people about, that they were doing lots of things wrong, and because of it, destruction was coming. As if, as if that weren't a daunting enough task in the first place, Ezekiel was also told, hey, when you tell the people this message, guess what? They're not going to listen to it because they have hard hearts. That would have been so frustrating. And then Shelley continued in to talk about how Ezekiel had to find really creative ways to share this message with the people, because not only did he have a hard message to give them, not only did he uh, know that the people weren't going to listen to him, but he also couldn't talk to them about it. And so he had to come up with these grand ways to kind of show them, and Shelley walked us through that by exampling some charades, right, if you guys remember that. Uh, and then Rick came in and kind of tied a lot of stuff up by telling Ezekiel as a story. And if you remember his flow that he did with that, he talked about how there's an everyday kind of thing to the story, right? Uh, and Ezekiel's everyday thing in this story was that he was telling those stories, uh, those acts that he was doing for a long time. That was his everyday. He was centered on those stories of, of destruction and gloom and all of that. And then there was a until one day moment, right? And that's kind of where the story twists. Uh, and Rick pointed out that the until one day moment was when Jerusalem actually fell, when the stories that Ezekiel was trying to tell his people 
came true. And with this, with, it wasn't just Jerusalem falling that happened inside of that twist, because with the twist, with the until one day, there also came a hope. And before we get into a little bit of what that hope is and, and everything with that, I want us to look at one point. I know Shelley has pointed out to us that reading prophets can be tough, right? Like, I don't know if you guys have tried to read through Ezekiel with us, if you're in the Bible tribe, or if you've just tried to read it through on your own in your own time since we're doing this series, but it, it can be pretty tough to try and get through it. I mean, it is dreadful in the beginning with lots of just scary language and uh, scenes and imagery and all of that. Uh, but there's a point that I want us to attach to that can change that. It doesn't make books like Ezekiel less dreadful or dark or dreary or whatever, but it can change how we view the story of Ezekiel. Have you guys ever heard that the Bible is a story that at every turn leads to Jesus? Hopefully, you have. Shelley pointed out to me that uh, as the Bible tribe, you guys are going through the uh, Bible project, one story that leads to Jesus plan, right? And so hopefully, uh, at least you guys have, have heard of this before. But uh, the concept of this is that even some crazy book like Ezekiel can be telling the story and setting up the story of Jesus just as much as anything else can. When we realize that every part of the Bible is playing off of each other to set us up for Jesus, it forces us to look for him, which shows us new truths. If we approach Ezekiel looking through that lens, hopefully we will find new things. So that's what we're going to try today. And we're going to start off by looking at the cycle uh, that Jerusalem and Israel has been going through uh, for a, a long time. And uh, this is the cycle that they were in when we get to Ezekiel, where God gives his people a paradise, right? He's living with them, and this time it looked like him living with them in a temple, um, and so they could feel his presence and all of that. But then the next part of the cycle is that God's people begin to stray from him. And they begin to kind of make their own decisions on how they think the world should operate and how creation should be ruled. They turn to other nations. They turn to other gods. They make idols. Uh, and then after that, the next part of this cycle is that God exiles them. And then with the exile, it's not just sending them out from paradise. He gives them hope. And he tells them there's a way to be reconciled. There is a way to come back. And that's the cycle that they're in. And hopefully, I know that that's kind of like simplified, right? There are plenty of more details than what I just gave you. But hopefully, that sounds kind of familiar, right? Because I think that we see that cycle start all the way back in Genesis 2, because when God created Eden and Adam and Eve and all of that, that was their paradise. They got to live in the garden, walking side by side with God, 
they could feel his presence. But then they decided to kind of take things into their own hands. They decided uh, to try and figure out how to rule creation on their own terms. And as a response, they were exiled, right? But they weren't, they weren't just exiled. They were also given a hope. And that's the first time that we see this cycle play out. And it's easy for us now to look back and see that that hope uh, was Jesus, right? We've probably heard plenty of messages about that in our lifetimes. And, uh, but for regardless of what time period you're in, the hope that we would have seen in that story is that it's a hope that would ultimately destroy evil and restore creation to what it was meant to be. And so when we get to the point, that turning point, the until one day that Rick talked about, right? Jerusalem falls. But there's also hope there. We're going to look at what that hope is, and hopefully we'll learn something. Cool? So we're going to look at Ezekiel 36, uh, verses 24 through 27. And it says, I will take you from the nations and gather you from all the countries and bring you into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleanliness, and from all your idols I will cleanse you. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. So in this passage, in this moment of hope that we see in the story of Ezekiel, God is promising to restore our hearts. Why do our hearts need restored? I'm sure you've heard of it before where I've already said it, and you've probably already heard it in the Ezekiel series, and you've probably heard it many times before that. But God's people in this story had a hard heart, right? And God here is saying he's going to give them a new one. So there's something wrong with a hard heart. What is it? What, what is wrong? What does it mean to have a hard heart? For the people in Ezekiel's story, it looked like unrepentance, right? That's, that's a churchy word that we would say. They, they weren't willing to listen to God's messenger, and they weren't willing to turn back from what they were doing. That's, what, that's kind of what the hard heart looked like for them, right? And we've talked about before how Ezekiel wasn't written to us, like it wasn't written to people living in 2022, right? But it was written for us, and we can learn things from this. And so what does it look like for us to have hard hearts in our stories that we're living right now? I want to go back to this golf club story real quick. And so Zach just knocked my two front teeth out. I just had root canals, fake teeth put in. Uh, whole thing was uncomfortable. And we show up at worship practice. Uh, we both get there a little bit early. And I remember the first thing that Zach says to me when I walk in, he's like, dude, I am so sorry. Punch me in the face. <laughs> and I was like, what? <laughs> he's like, punch me in the face. 
<laughs> I want to make things even, you know. He was trying to help reconcile what had happened. He wanted to give me a moment to put us back on this level playing field. He wanted, he wanted to give me an opportunity to let go of whatever I needed to let go. And I was like, dude, I don't want to punch you in the face. Like, I'm, I don't think I, it, through the entire process, I don't think there was ever a moment from getting hit in the face to going in, getting a root canal, fake teeth, prom, whatever. I don't think there was a single moment inside of that where my brain was like, yeah, we're mad at Zach. I, I never thought that because it was, it was an accident and he was one of my closest friends, right? And so I have a ton of love for him and that kind of helped me get over whatever anger I could have had, right? But if I had a hard heart, in that situation, maybe I wouldn't have even shown up to worship practice kind of thing because I wouldn't have wanted anything to do with Zach. Or maybe I would have showed up to punch him in the face whether he asked for it or not, right? And I would have punched him as hard as I could, try and knock out some teeth. Uh, and, but that's not what happened. And likewise, Zach had to have had a soft heart in that moment in offering dude, punch me in the face, please. I want you to feel better about this situation. Like, that takes a lot of love too, right? And so that situation could have played out so much differently if either Zach or I had a hard heart, right? Now, with a hard heart, I want us to, to realize, with a hard heart, it is impossible for us to show love. That, I think, is the point of what, uh, why God says in Ezekiel, why his hope is to give his people a new heart. Because with a hard heart, it is impossible for us to show love. And we'll, we'll get a little bit more into that and how it ties in with the rest of the Bible as well. But I know Rick last week talked about how he got a, uh, a new puppy, and I don't mean to one-up him, but we got a way cuter puppy, and we've got a picture of him. This is Kylo. He is a 10-week-old golden doodle, absolutely adorable. Uh, but if any of you have had puppies or children, I'm sure very similar, they can be a menace, right? Like. Rick had talked about how the, the night before he came up to speak, uh, his puppy made a mess in the kennel and he had to stay up past 12 to like try and figure things out for him. Luckily, Kylo didn't do that for us last night, but I mean, he has made plenty of messes uh, so far and he can just be pretty wild uh, and you get like he tries to play with you by biting you, but puppy teeth are like daggers if you've ever felt puppy teeth. And so it's not comfortable to try and play with him. Um, and it's, it's just crazy. But he goes at you and like is a menace, tearing at your clothes, ripping holes in your shirts, biting your fingers. But then he falls asleep because he's tired and he curls up next to you and you're just like, bro, how can I be mad at whatever you just did because you are so stinking cute. And it is so tough 
to go, to go at this guy with a hard heart, partially because he's so cute. I think it's really tough to, to have a hard heart against puppies, but that's my personal, personal thing. Um, obviously, we don't just deal with puppies in our lives, right? There are things way less cute than puppies uh, that we have to deal with, and it can be easy sometimes for us to let our heart harden against certain things. Now, before we get a little further into a challenge, uh, I want us to kind of tie this all together into a, a great point, because we've been talking about how uh, as even a book like Ezekiel tells the story of Jesus, right? And so I want us to look at, do you guys remember um, what Jesus talks about with uh, the two greatest commandments. He's asked what the greatest commandment is, but he kind of cheats and says the two greatest commandments. Uh, do you know what the, the key point was? Love was the key point. He says to love God with everything and to love the people around you in the same way. If that is impossible for us to do, when we have a hard heart, then we need a new one. And luckily for us, God didn't just have a plan for uh, Ezekiel's people to get a new heart. He also had one for us. So we're going to look at Titus 3 real quick. Uh, and this is Titus 3 verses uh, 4 through 7. And it says, But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Giving us a new spirit. God says the same thing to Ezekiel and his people. He says, a new heart and a new spirit. For us to be restored through the Holy Spirit, Jesus gave his life for us. And while that's amazing in the first place, it doesn't just stop there. It's not an individual thing, right? We weren't just saved by ourselves. If you continue through Ezekiel, uh, there's a whole vision at the end of the temple being rebuilt. And he goes into detail on what the temple looks like, but God's presence is in it. And the coolest part is at the end when Ezekiel sees a river running out from the throne going into the deadlands, and all the ground that that river is touching sprouts new life. It's not just a thing for us. It is a thing for creation. We are just a part of that. And even with that river, doesn't that sound familiar to you? Water giving life to the things around it? Doesn't Jesus say something about giving us water that will give us life? You see, if we approach the Bible and isolate it book by book, if we approach Ezekiel by itself, we lose so much of the story because that story is meant to be told in the light of the rest of the Bible that drives towards the point that Jesus was getting at. What was Jesus' whole thing? What is the gospel? 
What are, what's the good news? Joel talked about in, in his week that uh, we can't really know what the good news is unless we know what the bad news is, or at least we wouldn't know that it's good news, right? Because you need to know something bad to have good news. Uh, and so the good news is that we had or have a hard heart against God and his people. Everyone around us, our enemies, friends, family, even ourselves. God saw this and wanted to restore us to what we see in Genesis, a community living in the presence of God, enjoying his creation and each other's company. To do so, we had to be remade. We needed a way to get rid of our hard hearts. And how did he do this? By sending his son to be an example of what it looks like to love. Jesus gave us an example of what it looks like to have a soft heart. And so, as we wrap up this series next week, Joel and Shelley are going to tie a bow on absolutely everything. I want us all to continue to reflect. I want us to ask ourselves, have we hardened our hearts in any way? Is there a place in my life where showing love is difficult? Maybe it's a friend that knocked your teeth in. Maybe it's a puppy that made a mess in the kennel. Maybe it's a coworker that you just really can't get along with right now. But have we hardened our hearts somewhere in our lives? I want us to reflect on that. And then I want, us, I want to challenge us to allow God's Spirit to reform and soften our hearts. I challenge us to allow and ask for God's Spirit to soften our hearts in those areas of our lives where we just can't show love right now because that is what the story of Jesus is. That was his whole point and his whole mission that we needed to restore creation to a spot where we would be loving God with everything and loving the people around us in the same way. That is what Ezekiel is about, and that is what the entire Bible is about. Will you pray with me? God, thank you for today, and thank you for the opportunity we have to learn about you and just hear your word. I pray that uh, you would be with us as we reflect. Help us see the areas where we've hardened our hearts. Help us listen to the Ezekiels in our lives trying to point out uh, maybe where we have hardened our hearts and where we are having trouble showing love. And then I pray that you would work on that with us and that you would help soften our hearts so that we can show people what your kingdom looks like, to love you with everything and to love others the same. We love you, and it's in your son's name we pray. Amen.